The talk you're about to listen to is a presentation of Penn State Crew. To find out more about Penn State Crew or to find more talks, music, and videos, check out PennStateCrew.org. Guys, so it's raining again, which is delightful. We need more rain. Needed a ton of it. We watched, I watched the storm two nights ago. Did any of you guys watch it? It was so bright. So I was, we turned off all the lights and I was sitting there with Emma and we were just looking out the window, just watching it. It was awesome. But as we were watching the storm, like my kids were super, there was a tornado warning, like just a little north of State College. But my kids were like, is a tornado going to come to our house? And I was trying to calm them down. Just like, But tornadoes could come. And Emma is like, she's a thinker. And so she's like, God is in control of everything, and he can bring tornadoes. And we're watching, like, these lightning strikes. They're so bright. And she's, then she starts asking, like, does God, God punishes bad people? Does he punish, like, all bad people? And I'm like, yeah, he punishes all bad people. But what if you just, like, steal something? I'm like, well, he, he punishes all bad people. <laughs> and, and I was trying to say, like, well, but you know that Jesus was punished for us, so we get to rely on him. Her next question was, does God punish babies? I was like, oh, <laughs> theologians talk about this. And here's Emma, little seven-year-old. She's like, I, if I was God, I would not punish babies because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and I just love her little, her little mind as she's thinking about all this stuff. Um, Emma is really into Pokemon, and as a kid, I wasn't really into it, but now I'm like really into it, um, just because I like to be into the things my kids are. Ninjago Legos is like Jacob's thing, so I did that today with him. But here's a picture, first day of school, and she's sporting her like brand new Pikachu shirt and brand new Pikachu book bag, or Pokemon book bag, um, first day of school, and she's got this Pikachu she carries with her everywhere. You could go to the next picture, Sid. There, look, there's that Pikachu. I mean, she has it. I think she probably took it to the picnic we had, you know, um, at the start of the year, and that thing is nasty looking. It is so dirty, and she hasn't had it that long, um, but she loves it. But she is a thinker, and one of the things that she has picked up on are some of our social cues in society. What she's picked up on is that Pokemon is more geared towards men than it is towards women. And so to my like shock, there was a day where she's, she was talking about Pokemon and she said, um, I wish I was a boy um, because liking Pokemon is a boy thing. And I just, my heart just kind of sank that she made some kind of connect with, I love Pokemon, Pokemon's awesome, it's a boy thing, so I, there's this desire for me to change into something else. Desire to, to, to be something else because of, of, what, of what I enjoy and what I like. And I, I was just trying to say, well, why, do you, why do you say that? Why do you feel like, you know, girls can like Pokemon too? And, um, and I was just trying to engage with her on that level, right? Um, and it's tragic because in our society, you hear lots of things. Our society has said lots of things about what it looks like to be a man, what it looks like to be a woman, and those things have changed over the years. Um, and what we're going to look at tonight, um, we've been, it's been a while, I know, it's been like weeks since we've been in Ruth, and tonight what we're going to do is actually look at a sideways glance at Ruth. We're going to be in Proverbs 31, and we're going to look at 
there's going to be three things we're going to do tonight. I'll just give you the outline right now, and then we'll walk through it. The first thing is we're going to look at the Proverbs 31 woman. In, at the end of Proverbs is a description of a woman, who she's like, what she's like um, at the end of Proverbs. So we're going to look at that and study that. Then we're going to look at Proverbs as a whole, like the book itself as wisdom literature and what God wants us to get out of that. And then lastly, it's going to be all about Ruth, how Ruth ties into Proverbs as wisdom literature itself and what we, what we do with that. Um, but throughout, we're going to be talking about some of these things, these cultural things um, between men and women. Um, so let me do this. I'm going to read Proverbs 31. If you wouldn't mind standing with me as I read this passage in honor of the word, and if you need, also, if you need a Bible, Drew and Brandon, these awesome disciple, this discipling relationship, they got Bible. So just toss your hand up. You're going to need it in a little bit. So if you don't have one, make sure you grab one now because I'm going to have you look at some stuff in this text. And if you don't have a Bible, please, we'd love you to have this one. Take it home with you. Mark it up. Make it yours. Um, so here in Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10, it says this. An excellent wife who can find. Her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands for the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the teacher. She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands, and let her work praise, and let her works praise her in the gates. Let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would be with us tonight um, as we look at this passage and as we engage with you um, on what it is that you have for us tonight. We invite you um, to speak to us, and we ask that your spirit would um, do whatever it is. Um, that you desire in and through us. We pray all these things because you're good and because you're great. Amen. Okay, uh, you can have a seat. Also, um, I'm going to be answering questions. So if you have questions about things that I say, things that I mention, that number up on the screen, if there's time at the end, I'd love to, I'd love to like, engage on you, uh, with you on those, on those things. So first, I, I just want to set up two observations coming into Proverbs 31. Um, Proverbs, actually, uh, the Old Testament is written and it exists in a patriarchal society, um, society that was dominated by men. Leadership came 
man onward, um, and, it, and it's a, a different kind of society. Now, we today, it, it's very, our culture today is very different from culture back then. And one thing that we often do is because, you know, we've got cell phones and we've gone to the moon, we've done all these things, we look back on older cultures and we make an assumption of, of them that we are wiser and smarter, that the older generation, we use the word backwards, there's backward thinking. And, um, and I know this is true because I was a kid who always thought my dad didn't know anything, right? I just, and you might think that of your parents, they're silly and they think silly things, or your grandparents, right? That there's some level of silliness. But I think um, what, is, what is good for us to remember when we're thinking about older societies is actually there's a lot of wisdom. We often toss out the baby with the bathwater bath and just assume older cultures are by nature dumber than we are today, and that's not, that's not true. They have a measure of wisdom um, and a lot of things that they could teach us. In fact, C.S. Lewis would say again and again, for every book you read that's written like in your time period, and that's like true of the last 30 years, right? And for every book you read, you ought to read three or four books from a totally different time period because the things that we're blind to now are the things that uh, other societies were not blind to and were addressing. We have things to learn from older cultures. So that's the first. The second, though, and this one um, is pretty important as we look at this passage, is the Bible is often surprisingly countercultural um, on so many fronts, and especially on the value of women. Uh, again and again in the Bible, there are statements and there are things that happen where you recognize that a woman's voice matters. This happens in like the book of Leviticus, in the middle of the laws. It talks about vows and your word. A woman's word stands, um, and, and it's significant. You could miss that. You could skip that and not catch it. But again and again, pay attention in, in the Old Testament. There are places where the value of women is raised in ways that in those cultures they never would have been, wouldn't have been considered. So the first thing that I want to do with you guys, I want to give you some time to get into like groups of two or three and read the Proverbs 31 passage again. And here's what I want you to answer. I want you to answer this question. In this description of this woman, what countercultural ideas you find in the passage? Make sense? So I'm going to give you like three minutes to do that, and then I'm, I'll hear from you. So go ahead and um, go ahead and do that. All right. I know like three minutes is no time at all. Brett, are we good if I stand up here? Does that work? All right. Try that. So. Um, what did you guys find? What are some things in this passage that are countercultural that you noticed? You just shout them out, yell them out. What'd you get? What'd you guys catch? What'd you see? What's that? She buys a field and plants a vineyard, right? She is, she's like transferring of deeds, purchasing things. She's got money available to her. She's known in the marketplace doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Her trading is profitable. She's doing well. Yeah, she's doing well as a businesswoman. She's earning money and she is, she's bringing stuff in, which is awesome. Yeah. What else? I came up with like five things. Yeah. Description of her strength. Did you notice that? There's two places in the text where it's like this woman could probably bench press or wrestle me to like she could probably manhandle me. 
What else? Oh, man, that's brilliant. You just blew a point for later in the talk, but that's awesome. There is no mention. Did you catch that? There's no mention of her beauty. Nowhere is anything mentioned about her beauty. The only thing that's mentioned is the, the opposite of that, right? What else? What else did you guys notice? Yeah, she's more precious than jewels, which connects to other themes in Proverbs, which is great. Yeah. Um, some other things that I noticed were she has the trust and respect of her husband. Like in societies, that wasn't always a given, right? That wasn't like a thing that was, uh, was a gimme. Um, she's making, she's also in the marketplace, she's supplying belts. She's making different equipment that people would use. She also gets praised for her hard work. She's recognized as someone who does difficult um, labor. And she provides for the needy. Like, not only does she provide for her family, they're like clothed in the wintertime. She goes to the bed. She's fine. But she knows that her family is like going to be dressed in this awesome, warm stuff. Um, but she also provides for the needy, other people who don't. She, it's not just her family she cares for. It's, it's others as well. And I love this passage. This thing was written like well past 500 B.C., that old. And here we have a description of a woman that I think in many ways are, is countercultural to, to uh, even like 30 years ago America, right, if you think about it. And, I, I, and the reason that this is so shocking to me is we often have these impressions and ideas of what women ought to be, what men ought to be, and those are often socially constructed. Because if you do rewind the clock 40 years ago in America, a woman, there was a lot of pressure for women to be excellent, good, incredible housewives. That they stay at home, they do everything at home. Um, there is no going out into the workplace. That was frowned upon socially, like heavily frowned upon. Um, and today, I think things have swung a totally different direction. Actually, the opposite direction, where the housewife or the, the mom who stays at home is looked at in a very denigrated way. Um, and if you want to be, ladies, this is something for you guys to walk through that'll, that'll be difficult no matter what job or no matter where you end up to wrestle through what, where does my value come from? What is, the, what is society pushing me towards? Because one thing that society is pushing you towards is almost in some ways this like superwoman who's got a successful career is, is on top of absolutely everything and a stay-at-home mom, it can be frowned upon. Oh, like let's you're wasting your life, right? And so it's interesting that in 40 years, it's flipped upside down. Society has decided this is what a woman ought to be. Now it's this is what a woman ought to be. Um, and the same is true for men. Like we're talking about women very specifically, but it's true for men as well. What does it mean to be a man? Um, what does it mean to live out that role? And the tragedy of all of that is that there's no freedom to live out what God has called you to be. There's no freedom today, like the pressure today, for a, a woman who's like, no, I want to stay at home. I really get um, a lot of life and joy being at home with my kids and developing them and growing them. Um, or in the past, the freedom to be able to go into the marketplace. And for Emma, right, I want her to have the freedom to enjoy Pokemon without having to like change her view of who she is, right, to be able to do that. 
Um, so as you read this, you could have some different reactions um, as, as a woman. So I'm speaking specifically to the ladies. Um, one, you could be, you could read this and be like super inspired, right? Rosie the River, I'm going to like, I'm going to muscle my way and do all this stuff. Some of you might be reading it and you might feel a little threatened or a little defeated. Like, did you notice, does she sleep at all? Because her candle's like way late at night, she's still up working. And then early in the morning, before anyone else gets up, she's up. It, it, and so some, I think I would read, if, so I'm trying to picture myself as a woman like reading this, right? Um, I think I would be, feel that, like, good night. I can't do that. Who could do that, right? And my wife mentioned today, like, another reaction would be rolling your eyes. Um, like, come on, this is unrealistic. Um, so I don't know where you are in your reactions to that, um, but there is a, a call on our lives that in many ways is impossible that exists for men and for women. Um, and James and Christine just got married this last weekend. I got a little picture of, th of these guys, which is so exciting. Um, they're on their way over to Colorado right now. I don't know where they are on the trip, but they got their little tent. They're, they're honeymooning it, which is awesome. Um, but when they got married, they made impossible commitments to each other, like ridiculous commitments. If you actually sit down and, like, think about what men and women commit to each other is crazy. And I'm, because we've been on the ladies, I'm just going to pick on James here. In Ephesians 5, it says that a man ought to love his wife as Christ loved the church, which means that he must lay down his life for his wife, that he must deny himself, that in every respect he um, would give over his own desires so that her desires could be met. Come on, how long does that last in a marriage, right? It may have already happened 10 miles down the road to Colorado, right? <laughs> Who knows? I know this because this is true of marriage, right? Have I laid down my life consistently from, for Joanna? No, it's not true. But we do, we, we are pursuing an impossible thing, and it's good, right, for men to love their wives um, by denying themselves, and for women to pursue this. But here's the good news. The purpose of this passage is not for you to read it, this, this lady that's being described. It's not for you to read it and be like, I need to be this woman, or I need to like work towards being this woman. It actually has a totally different purpose. But in order to get there, I need to walk you through essentially the whole book of Proverbs, um, or at least give you an overview of the book of Proverbs as to why it's here. So here we go. You ready? Proverbs as wi wisdom literature. First, I want to read a central passage in Proverbs. Um, it's Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. I have it up on the screen. It says this, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happier all who hold her fast. So the passage is talking about how blessed if you find wisdom. Wisdom is the pursuit, and it's personified as, as a female. And um, if you were to find this 
female, all these good things. She's described as a tree of life. And if you know, like, Bible story stuff, tree of life, beginning of the Bible, it's what we were cast away from when we sinned. It's what we have been removed from. And the question is, in the book of Proverbs, is can you find wisdom? Can you find it? Can you pursue it? Where is wisdom? Where can it be found? And if you find it, it is the most precious thing in the world. More precious than anything else you could find is wisdom. So that is, that is the drive of the book of Proverbs. Just to give you an outline of the book, the book falls into three huge chunks, and I have it up here on the screen. So you've got chapters 1 through 9, chapters 10 through 29, and 30 and 31. Um, and I'll just work my way backwards. So in 30 and 31 are these two wisdom pieces from Agur and Lemuel. And Lemuel, he's the guy who, who shares this Proverbs 31 passage, and actually he learned it from his mom. So actually what we're reading is words from a woman who's teaching, a woman who is um, exposing things. So, whoop, almost fell over. So 10 through 29, this is the main part of Proverbs, the main chunk of Proverbs. It's words of wisdom. It's what you know. Like it's all these things about how to handle money and how to handle conflict, how to handle people who are really difficult, um, how to handle your speech, what you say, what you do. Um, it's all this stuff about life. And that's the basic stuff that you know about Proverbs. But the beginning, chapters 1 through 9, is captured as a father who speaks to his son. And as he speaks to his son, as he's growing and developing, as he's maturing as, as a man, he wants his son to understand what it means to pursue wisdom. That's what he wants. He wants him to pursue wisdom, go after wisdom. Um, and as he does, the last three chapters, so chapters 7, 8, and 9 in that section are really important. So I want to walk through this real quick. So as he's, as he's teaching his son, he portrays two central characters. There are two women in the book of Proverbs. The first one is Lady Folly of chapter 7. This lady, she is not the woman that you want to pursue, not the woman you want to go after, she is a woman of the night. She has, she has made a bed. She's married, but she is trying to lure men into her bed, lure them away. And the father is actually looking through the, the, the window, and he sees men, men after men, just following her and being, um, he calls it, they have no idea, but they're being led to the slaughterhouse. They are going to be destroyed by what's going to happen. And she, of course, she's doing it up. She's dressed up nice. She's got all her makeup on just right, and she's perfumed, all these things. But he warns his son, do not pursue Lady Folly. Do not pursue her. In the second chapter, or in the next chapter, chapter 8, is Lady Wisdom. And she is in the streets calling out, if you would just find her, if you would just hear her voice. And she is described in that as existing before the world was made, before the world was created. She is, in fact, it, the creative power through which God made the world. In fact, it's a quality of who God is. It's his wisdom. It is his, it is his um, constituent ability of everything that is written into the world that you and I exist in that there is lady wisdom around every corner, around every bend, just woven into the fabric of our universe. And this lady wisdom is calling to us, beckoning to us, and the one thing that she whispers again and again is fear the Lord, fear the Lord. 
And if you do, things will go well for you. So, Lady Folly, right, and Lady Wisdom. We have a good lady and a bad lady. And then chapter 9, he hits it home to his son and pretty much says, you must choose which of these women you're going to follow. And this, the, con- the context of this is a man and a woman relationship, but it applies to you whether you're a man, man or a woman in this room. You need to decide whether you're going to follow, follow folly or wisdom. Are you going to pursue folly or pursue wisdom? What's interesting in chapter 9 is both ladies say the exact same line. They say this, Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, come to me, come to me. Folly is beckoning. You don't understand? Come here. I'll teach you how to eat food that's been stolen. And then, on the other hand, wisdom is beckoning too. Come to me if you don't understand. I will help you understand how the universe works, how to have wisdom, how to treat others with love and kindness. I will do that. Um, So just to wheel back a little bit, you may or may not have known that there are these two forces at work in the world. There is Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom. These are personified of, like, realities, right? They're personifications. There aren't actually ladies, right? Like, we get that. Um, But did you know that you're asked to consider, are you following Folly or are you following Wisdom? Are you listening? Have you found Wisdom? Have Have you listened to it? And what was said earlier, right? Charm and beauty, they're deceptive. There's a veneer that's, that's plastered on, and folly will do that all day long. Paint something new, do something nice to catch your attention, to drive you away from listening to Lady Wisdom. So the question throughout the book of Proverbs, right? You catch this? Um, a father talking to his son, working through this stuff, but the book is asking this question, who can find wisdom? Where can it be found? How can it be found? And that's why the passage opens up with that very question, an excellent wife who can find. She's not saying, as, the, as this is passage is being taught, she's not saying, hey, this is this person that you need to be. No, but actually, have you found wisdom herself? It's couched in, in the idea of the, the, the book of Proverbs is it's trying to make connections between finding a spouse, finding someone to marry, and finding wisdom. Because the reality is, if you make that choice badly, like if you marry bad, it's going to go really bad for you. Like, really bad. There was a girl I dated in high school, and I was like, head over heels, like, she's so awesome. And, and then um, I actually had bought a ring, and I talked with her dad about stuff. Um, but then we like, there was like, fight, like, we started to fight a little more, and I just, I just like, slowed down a little bit and waited a little bit and it just deteriorated and it was awful and I think back now like if I would have married her there were so many things I was blind to it would have been horrible life would have been very difficult like really difficult and this works both ways right men choosing a wife and wives choosing a a man like you choose if you choose poorly it's going to go really bad. It's going to go horrible. However, if you choose well, a lot of good things happen. A lot of great things happen. And this is the correlation that's being made, that if you choose folly, your life is going to be a wreck. It's going to be difficult. But if you choose wisdom and you follow wisdom, generally speaking, life is going to go well. Life is going to 
um, go well for you. Um, so that's why this passage is not depicting a standard. It's not. What it's depicting is when you find wisdom, it does all this stuff. It's productive. It stays up late at night. It, it, it does all these things for you that you wouldn't have thought about. It, it makes things in your life easier and better. Um, so that is Proverbs. And now the question is, what does that have to do with Ruth? Like, what at all does it have to do with our study of Ruth and um, her roles? And maybe you've already made some connections, but I want to make three because I'm running out of time. Three ways that the book of Proverbs is linked to Ruth pretty specifically. First is, I don't know if you noticed, but the Hebrew canon, like the Hebrew Bible, has the same books that we do, but they order them differently. So they're in like different locations. And the book of Proverbs is immediately followed by the book of Ruth, which means right after we hear this story about this amazing Proverbs 31 woman is the story of Ruth. And already, when you think of the story of Ruth, you begin to make the connections. Ruth embodies a lot of the wisdom of the Proverbs 31 woman. She's industrious. She is out working in the fields. She's producing food for herself and for her, her mother-in-law, Naomi. She's doing that stuff. Second, there are verbal links, two verbal links specifically to Ruth in Ruth 3, chapter, chapter 3, um, 10 and 11. And this is where Boaz like meets or connects with Ruth and he says this over her. May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men with the poor rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask for all the people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. That phrase woman of excellence is directly lifted from here. An excellent wife who can find that is exactly the same words. There is, there is a strong connection being made between the two of them. She is an excellent woman, one of high honor and value. And then the second word is the word city there. Um, at the end of Proverbs 31, it says that her works will be known in the gates. Actually, if you look at the, the word city here, translated city, it's exactly the same word. Literally, it is. Your works are known in the gate. All the people know that you are a woman of excellence. They know your quality at the gates. And it makes sense that they would translate it as city because it's kind of weird. Like, at the gates, people know that. Um, so that's the second thing. The third is that um, there's a phrase in Proverbs 31 that says not just about her as a woman, but that she, her husband, is known at the gates. And we're going to finish our Ruth series next week with chapter 4. And what is her to-be husband doing? He is at the gates um, doing business, and he's going to solidify the relationship there. Those three things. So what, how do the, those are the, the ways that those are connected. So you might ask, but what does that mean for Ruth? What that means is the way we read Ruth ought to be with this idea of the, way, the same way we read Proverbs, which is wisdom literature. That Proverbs teaches us again and again that life will go well if we follow, if we, um, if we follow wisdom. What Ruth shows us again and again is what it looks like. It depicts a community. If we follow wisdom, all these good things happen for us. Food is produced out of nowhere. Lives are restored. People, um, people are able to find a future for themselves. All these things. Each, and each person has a role to play. Hannah, a couple of weeks ago, right, she was talking about our roles, that God loves to do incredible things through you and me. 
in this community, right? He has things for us to do. And at the end of the day, the book of Ruth is, seems a little too idyllic, doesn't it? It seems a little too like, I don't know, like a, a rom-com. Like it just ends too nicely, right? And the book of Proverbs is the same way. The reality is life is a lot more harder than that. It's a lot more difficult. So when these books are portraying these things, they're not saying it's a rom-com fantasy, um, but rather, generally speaking, if you follow wisdom, life's going to go well for you. Um, but we live in a broken world. So the reality is, even in this community, we want this community to be a place where you can experience and know God's goodness. And, um, and we, we have to, again and again, offer forgiveness for each other because we screw things up. Like we were talking as a staff team the last couple weeks about different things that we've just not been doing well in loving you guys and leading you guys. And there's a lot of things that we need to have conversations and ask for forgiveness. That's the kind of community that we need to live in, where we follow wisdom, we're able to ask and receive forgiveness from each other. Um, and it's our desire to grow in this. That's what we want for you guys, is to grow in the ability to pursue wisdom with each other, um, to grow with each other, and that we would again and again see that played out, his wisdom and goodness played out. Yeah, love to pray. Lord, we ask um, that you would help us to identify and see this wisdom that you portrayed um, for us and to us. Lord, there's so many things in our culture that just scream that life needs to look this way, and this is how we pursue what it's like to be a man, what it's like to be a woman, and yet, Lord, we want to seek you out. Would you reveal yourself to us? We know that you are the tree of life, that you're the one who grants us and gives us knowledge through your spirit, and so we'd ask you to do that. I confess that there's so many things that draw my heart aside, um, that pull me into the world, into valuing things that I ought not value, and I ask that you would help us see your wisdom, to see your goodness, because we know that your ways are higher than our ways, and we honor you for that, but we pray that um, you would, through your spirit, reveal the, the things you want us to know and understand. Would you help us to see them? I pray as a community, too, that you help us encourage each other um, and build each other up to know your wisdom. Would you do these things because of your goodness and your greatness? We pray them. Amen. The talk you have just listened to is a presentation of Penn State Crew. Crew is a community where the gospel captures hearts, transforms lives, and launches men and women into a lifelong adventure with Jesus Christ. To find out more about Penn State Crew or to find more talks, music, and videos, check out PennStateCrew.org. That's PennStateCRU.org. This talk is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States license. You are free to copy and distribute this talk to others as long as you do not do it for commercial purposes or alter, transform, or build upon this talk in any way.